Welcome back in, everybody, to the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the morning of Thursday, July 7th, and uh, it's been some time. It's been, a, it's been a while since we've done this, and the reason why is we spent the last two months working diligently, nonstop, around the clock to improve the audio quality of the podcast. It's all I've been doing. i spent every second of every day, and it didn't get any better. This is still what you got. Uh, in reality, two main reasons why we've been away for a while um, – I've had some health issues going on, some health stuff going on. If you listen to the radio show, I've talked a little bit about it there. Um, maybe know what I'm talking. About. I, I don't need to get into it. I'm not gonna. It's not a pity party. I don't need anybody to to feel sorry for me. But most days, the the radio show is kind of all the energy I can drum up there. My brain's just not working properly. So it's, it's a weird thing. But uh, that's okay. We're here today. We're getting better. We're gonna be fine. And the second reason is. It's summer, which means Dan is going to 17,000 different lakes. This is, uh, it's who he is. It's what he does. Uh, he's different, different week, different lake. That's how the Sonards live their life. And, uh, now he's finally back on the mainland in Columbus and no lake this weekend, right, Dan? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, yeah, we are going to the lake this weekend. Um, <laughs> a goddamn birthday. Of course we're going to the lake. <laughs> but. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's nice to be back in the saddle. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot has happened. I think the last one we had was like around Derby. So it's probably been like two months. Um, and I mean, yeah, like we, I, I know baseball made, uh, you know, a nice run. Um, obviously we, we hope for more against Texas A&M, but besides that, a, a lot of stuff that's happened has, has mainly been off the field. Um, so it, it's good to kind of rev up the engine again and gear up for obviously we got football in about, I think we're about two months out. Um, yep. So that's, that's exciting to look forward to. And there's always basketball talk around this time. And then of course, uh, yeah, that threw a new wrinkle in with conference realignment. So I, I know that's everyone's favorite topic, but um, yeah, a lot to touch on. And obviously, you know, the main topic that people are tuning in for, uh, how we're doing in fantasy golf, which is, uh, still haven't picked a winner yet. <laughs> still haven't uh, picked a winner. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, if, at one point it was like, oh my God, they suck. And then it was like, this is hilarious. I never won. And now, like, I'm just depressed. Like, I, I go, I know, like, you're actually picking all right. I've been so off. It's been unbelievable. Um, we, ha- we have, we have the receipts to back this up. In our text conversations for all three majors, the 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 player that we have like picked second that we have chosen not to take after like wanting to pick him has won all three majors. It's, 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 unbelievable. it's unbelievable. It's truly, I don't know. Yeah, the fact that we were like, oh, Rom or Fitzpatrick, and we're like, oh, we'll go with Rom. <laughs> like, yeah, that worked out. So, anyways, uh, do fade Sam Burns this weekend at the Scottish Open. That's all I can yeah. say. Uh, yeah. it's, that's who we're with. It's not going to work. I mean, we had Harold Varner the the third, who was 10 under through 11 holes at the Heritage in uh, in Hilton Head and finished even par. He went he went 10 over par in the last seven holes of a, a tournament. It's just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. That's uh, what I knew. The, we weren't destined for greatness. That, that was the moment. That was the moment where it became not just a funny thing but a curse. But like you sort of alluded to, I think three major things going on in the world of Cardinal athletics now as we've moved past the 2021-2022 athletic season. Like you said, baseball, nice run. Overall, I think the Louisville finished 33rd in the Director's Cup. Despite the two major spotlight sports not having great seasons, it was a good year overall for Cardinal athletics. But three major things going on right now uh, that have been going on since the last time we did a podcast. One, summer of Sat, uh, Satterfield. Kisei got his groove back. Did he ever really have the groove? I don't know what's going on, but we have one of the best recruiting classes in all of college football. That's pure madness. It's only going to get better. It's also created kind of a interesting scenario going into this 2022 season. Uh, two, basketball, what's going on with this roster? Uh, I, I don't think we've added a player since the last time we did a podcast. Still just nine scholarship players. Famously, as it gets brought up to me every single day, uh, one guard on the roster, just L. Ellis. How's this going to work? Is it Kenny Payne being overly selective? Is, is it him trying to set, set a culture standard? Or is it him swinging and missing on guys? Uh, we, we get to that. And then the conference realignment madness that has just really revved up over the last week. I guess it was exactly a week ago today that we found out UCLA and USC were going to the Big Ten, which is still just batshit crazy to say out loud. 
Uh, where do you want to start, Dan? Which of these three topics interests you the most here in mid-July or early July? It's it's tough. I, I hate to be like the cop out, but I feel like I mean the conference realignment is a big deal. Um, I, I say we start with that, and only well, I'm curious, like because I haven't got to listen to the radio show. Is that what like you're getting like on the Thornton's text line? Shout out Thornton's text line. Is Shout that what most line. people want to discuss right now, or is it like let's discuss good vibes and recruiting? Like what's what's the feel from the fan base right now? No, it's mostly conference realignment. It's you can only talk about recruiting so much, and I think people are, I think people are concerned. People are a yeah. little bit nervous. This is, um, you know, we thought we had sort of solid footing for at least the foreseeable future in the ACC. The grant of rights stuff that the ACC did, and locking down every conference member and having this one hundred million dollar buyout before twenty thirty six, it seemed like a good deal at the time, just because. You wanted to create stability in, in an unstable atmosphere, which college sports is always going to be. The issue now is you kind of lock these people into sort of a prison sentence. I, I think the the programs that want to go to the SEC or the Big Ten that are targeted, they'll find a way to make that happen. Like there's right. no no piece of paper is ever going to stop a move like that from being made. And the issue now is whether or not this this 2036 deal is going to prevent the ACC from adding other programs. It's all just. Like we don't know what the next shooter drop is. It exactly. feels like it's probably going to be Notre Dame, but until that happens, you, like you don't really know. We also have the hilarious story of the alliance, which was the funniest fucking thing of all time when it when it came out. I mean, I made fun of it for like a solid hour on the radio, becoming the loose partnership between the ACC and the Pac-12 in like four months, which just perfectly sums up college sports. I, I, I mean, I think. It's understandable that Louisville fans are nervous. I'm a little bit nervous about the future. I, I think that it's if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC, you might be okay. But the only way to feel completely confident about your stability in college athletics moving forward is to be one of those you know, 20 teams, if they do in fact both blossom to, to 20, that are in one of those two leagues. I think you can be okay if the Big 12 and the ACC both make the right moves. Uh-huh. I think you can have a third a third conference that's pretty competitive in football and still is a damn good basketball conference, but you just don't know right now. I think worst case scenario is we're left on the outside looking in in like what would be the new AAC or the equivalent of the AAC, what it was 10 years ago, and that's that's scary, especially when we thought like we had finally found our forever home. So I don't know. I mean, are, are you, do you kind of fall under that umbrella as well? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I, I mean, and I know I like, I get too wrapped up in this stuff and I like, I mean, this is like the most Twitter toxic, you know, place you could be as conference realignment. Just like everyone putting out a rumor, like these things happen when there are no rumors. So, like, anything I yeah. read on the Internet, like, I, even though, like, it gets my brain going, like, I, I know I, you know, can't really believe what's being thrown out there because these things happen and there's not a word spoken. So, um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's scary. Like you said, it it, it finally felt comfortable. Like, we, we had a, a a permanent home there, and now with everything moving around, um, you, you kind of just don't know. And I mean, that's, what's crazy about this is like, I mean, something could happen in a month or something could, we could be like this for the next two years and then something decides to happen. So you're, you're just kind of waiting in limbo and putting your trust in, you know, I, I mean, I want to say, I, you know, I'm sure the athletic department and, and Josh Hurd have, you know, some say in it, but a lot of this, happens with the presence of the university which um you know gives us even more uncertainty so um yeah i don't know right now like it's like all i know is if like somehow we end up in a conference with yukon then i know we're screwed like, <laughs> like oh okay we're with yukon so looks like we got left out here um but i i'm i don't know there I, i'm sure i would i mean i would love to hear the conversations beyond closed doors but I could definitely see why uh, a Clemson or a Florida State or Miami, um, you know, might think about wanting to jump. But I have to take off my my rose colored glasses and and be realistic about the situation. As much as I don't want to be, we're we're probably not one of the top four. You know, um, I would say 
teams that would be plucked from the ACC. Heck, we might not even be top five, maybe around that six, seven range. Um, but man, I, whatever happens, I hope it works out because if we get back to, you know, the old days of where we just have these garbage schedules, um, and we're just kind of in no man's land, that would just be so disheartening. I think you're right. And that one of the most interesting things about like this new dose of conference realignment is it hasn't been a slow trickle of news. It hasn't been a, a thing where like, Twitter starts buzzing that the, the, the big J journalists are like hearing some interesting reports about stuff going on behind closed doors. Like would, wouldn't be surprised to hear Texas like talking to a different conference. And then it plays out over the course of weeks or months. It's been like, Hey, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. And then right. like two days later, it's done. And then last week it was USC and UCLA talking about going to the Big Ten. And then four hours later, boom, it's done. And it's why I kind of think is now you're getting, we're getting into the weeds where. You're getting a new story every day. Everybody's got a different source. I think you're getting to a point where conference presidents and ADs are leaking stuff intentionally because they want stories to be out there, and you don't really know what to believe. And it kind of all leads me to believe that the next big shoe to drop is going to be another deal where it's we don't hear anything about this, and then out of nowhere at like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, you know, Pat Forty drops a story. Bang, Notre Dame's going to the Mid-American Conference. It's done. Here's the story link. Like, like it's, it's going to be just some batshit crazy thing that nobody sees coming that just hits us all over the head. And then everybody has to react to it. As far as what Louisville's doing, you had Josh Hurd, I think, talk to Tim Sullivan a couple of days ago and essentially kind of echoed the ACC statement, which is, for now, we're, we're standing packed. We're, we're watching what happens. We're going to act accordingly. I have to assume that behind closed doors, Josh is, is still, you know, he's, he's talking to people. He's, right. he's putting feelers out there. You know, if you, you know, everybody's sending the you up text messages to the Big Ten and the SEC. Like, like you know, if, if, if you're not doing anything, we'd love to hang out sometime. We'd love to grab a cup of coffee. Let's, let's catch I, up. I over love there. reading the Twitter Thanks. comments, like, after that article came out with Josh Heard quotes. Everyone's like, why is he not on the phone? trying to get us like I'm sure he's doing something I don't think he's just hanging out by the pool yeah I mean it's like during the coaching search when people are like there's no news is he just going on vacation it's like well I mean we you know there's not a live stream of Josh Hurd we're not following exactly what he's doing it's uh I mean I think all presidents and ADs and administrators are making moves behind the scenes to try and see you know what the landscape's going to be, what what people are thinking, what everybody else is, is taking into account. And all the news stories that have come out in the last seven days or so don't paint a rosy picture for the ACC. There's a lot of people quoting anonymous ACC presidents and athletic directors as saying, we think the conference is all but dead. Um, there are a lot of reports that, you know, you mentioned the names of the schools, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, um, North Carolina, Virginia are seemingly top tier candidates for the SEC or the Big Ten, mostly the SEC. And if that's the case, I mean, Oregon and Washington are the other two schools that are going to go quickly. I think that those are still the, the two big cash cows out there in the, on the West Coast. I think you're left in a situation where we have to assume Louisville's probably going to get left out of the SEC Big Ten stuff. I know right. it's not a, it, it's not the, it's not what we want to assume, but it seems more likely than not. I, and I, I agree with that. And, and don't give me the bullshit. We got into this yesterday on the show about, well, UK is never going to let Louisville in the SEC. UK has no fucking say here. Like, like don't act like the, the second worst brand fo- uh, football wise in that conference is going to be the gatekeeper for whether or not Louisville gets into the SEC. This all revolves around money. If the SEC and Louisville both mutually thought that this was a lucrative endeavor for both parties, it would happen. Like the SEC is not going to turn down money because its third worst football program historically doesn't want its rival in the conference. So that that's a, a non-factor. I don't care what any Kentucky fan says, but I don't think we're going to get into one of those two conferences. So you have to start looking at, does the ACC just sit around with its hand down its pants and hope that its best members don't get picked off and then winds up being left with like the scraps? Or does it try to be proactive? Does it try to do what the Big 12 is doing, go after the best Pac-12 schools that are left, or is it try to find some sort of like merger hybrid conference with the Big 12? Because let's be real, even if the SEC and the Big 10 take the 20 teams that people are talking about, there's some damn good schools that are still left out there. You could have a fantastic conference with the schools that are left over in both football and basketball. And I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. 
I think this whole thing, it, it sucks for fans. It's clearly being driven by money. It's clearly a dick measuring contest between Fox and ESPN, which sucks because I, I do think it's going to hurt college football dramatically. I hope I'm wrong about that. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're all going to have to adjust. I think that most fans, I don't know if you feel this way, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever this first got going, it was kind of fun. Like it was, hey, Nebraska going to the Big Ten. Like that could be cool. Like who else would yeah. fit in this conference or and all this stuff? And obviously we were worried about where we were going to go. But even like nationally, it was fun to keep tabs on. I think now most fans that I see, they're just worried about their own team. And they're yeah. like, just tell me that we're going to be safe. Just tell me where we're going to go. And let's stop this bullshit. Like, like, it's not fun anymore. It's, I, I don't like the news. It's, it's good to have somebody to talk about in the middle of the summer on radio, but I'd prefer to be talking about like football previews or boring shit just cause it's not, it's not fun anymore. It feels like the greed has gone too far. It feels like it's now actively hurting the sport. And I don't know what college football is going to look like moving forward, but it's not going to resemble the sport that you and I and pretty much everybody listening grew up watching and liking. A hundred percent. And just like a couple things that you touched on, like, the the more I think about this, like you said, when when the music stops, I I would be I don't want to say thrilled, but I would definitely be like happier um, than you know obviously being left out if somehow we ended up with like maybe like a Big Twelve merger because I mean hey we got West Virginia we got Cincinnati um you know th- those are some rivalries that could obviously be rekindled there again you know we're we're talking a long way off who knows if that's even a possibility but like you said like it's it's now to the point where realignment is just exhausting like yeah like it, like you said it was cool hey nebraska going to the big 10 blah, blah blah but now it's like all right do i you know i'm flipping through college football and it's maryland versus northwestern at 11 a.m on a saturday like no i'm i'm yeah you know, I really could care less about that game, and it does nothing for me from, like, a Big Ten, you know, hey, this is Big Ten tradition, you know, stuff like that. So, I don't know, these, like you said, these these presidents, these fucking money grubbers, I, it feels like everything, you know, I get it, I get everything comes with dollars, but it's just becoming like a almost a watered-down NFL, and that's kind of the way it's trending. Um which, hey, I'm still going to watch. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm not watching anymore. Of course I'm going to fucking watch. But um, it, it does feel like it's it's kind of taken away from the sport a little bit. So a long way, you know, a lot of things to shake out. We'll see what happens. But I, I just hope we're standing somewhere when the music stops. We also probably need to talk about how badly the ACC shit the bed here as far as, like, um, their their TV contract, they completely butchered it. They didn't do what every other major conference has done besides the Pac-12. They didn't split, you know, I guess the Pac-12 did do this too eventually. They didn't split their rights between two major networks. They didn't make, you know, ESPN and Fox or ESPN and CBS or, or whoever barter for, for deals. They instead just, they rushed the ACC network. They made the deal with ESPN. They left probably like twice as much money as they could have made just sitting there on the table. Horrible move. And then also... Everybody is ready to go to the expanded 12-team college football playoff, which would have appeased, I think, everybody. You would have had more stability, more access. Every conference besides maybe the SEC would have been – they were all for this. They were ready to go. Even the SEC was going to sign off on it, even though it, it may not be as beneficial as the 14 playoff is for them. And then Jim Phillips and the ACC were like, uh, excuse me, we have other problems that need to be addressed before we expand the playoff. And it fucked this whole thing up, and it blew up in our face. Because now there's no like, the playoffs not going to expand for at least four more years, and if, if if this does happen, this realignment, like the the ACC, the schools that are left and they don't that don't get into the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be on the outside looking in. They're going to have to run the table in whatever their new hybrid conference is to even have a shot. And even then, there's probably going to be some pushback that all four teams need to come out of these two new super conferences. It was just a horrible decision making all around. The grant of rights thing now looks like a, a misstep because nobody's going to want to come to the conference if that's still in place. It's just been just mistake after mistake after mistake. And now you, like, you're staring down the barrel of this conference that, you, that has meant so much to you for basically like a century being ripped apart and looking nothing like what it's resembled for a, a long, long time. I mean, we're talking about the potential of I don't know, like Washington State playing Pitt on ACC Tournament Tuesday and having in Greensboro, North Carolina, 
and having that be a real thing. Uh, yeah, side point. Go ahead. The, the the only thing that might make me happy in all this is if North Carolina and Duke get ripped apart, and if Louisville did get into the SEC, this would all almost be worth it to have Louisville play Kentucky twice a year and become the new like showcase conference rivalry, and then Duke and North Carolina play at like noon on ESPN2 on December 28th every year and have us just be able to shit all over them because they that, that's the fact that they bring up all the time like you game is new on TV like well we're competing with bowl games in the college football playoff what do you want us to do it's not we 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 can't control that you guys have the the money slot they ESPN puts you up as the Saturday focus game on the Saturday after Super Bowl week every single year to try to turn the page from football to to college basketball like i that would be the one thing that would make me happy is to get away from the you know, pimento cheese douches down there and let them know that you know, your rivalry wasn't all that special. It got ripped apart too. enjoy playing between Christmas and New Year's. Suck it. Yeah. No, I mean, regardless of your point of like the rivalries kind of flip flopping there, like if, if we got to the SEC at this point with the way things are trending, I would be doing cartwheels. There was no doubt in my mind. It would be for sure. Good home run. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's, I would love to know what goes on like between the ads. I wonder if it's like kind of a big game of like real world road rules challenge where like these <laughs> ads are like building alliances with each other. It's like, all right, well, if you if you know if Syracuse is going, we're tied to them. Like blah blah blah. Um, so uh, there, there's probably just so much you know talking behind each other's backs and maneuvering. I, I can't imagine how interesting that would be, but. Um, yeah, to your point, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a dick measuring contest right now. And, um, it's, it's, it's exhausting to talk about. And the fact that like, we don't know when the next move is going to happen. Like, I, I guess you'll have material on your show for the next however long. Cause it feels like people love talking about this. It feels like people love taking any tidbit of information they see on Twitter and running with it, no matter who the source is, um, which is one of my favorite things about conference realignment. But uh, I, th- I think the best thing to do is just be patient and, you know, knock on wood and have faith in our administration that we're going to end up in the right place. As tough as that may be to do, it's really all we can do right now. Yeah, the the, the best thing about conference realignment is you have – like established journalists like Pete Thamel and Pat Forty are doing a podcast where they're responding to the latest report from like dog fan 69 24 7 that says Arkansas State is being like seriously considered as a new member of the ACC it's like well dog fan like butt liquor 69 says if butt liquor is correct then we're gonna have a whole uh giant shift on the big 12 side of things it, it's it's a wild world and it really sucks that this happened. Like we just, we don't really need to get into this, but the ACC changed its scheduling model for football moving forward, where we're gonna after this year we're scrapping divisions. We're no longer playing those six teams every single year. You've got three opponents that you're playing um, for the next four years. You're gonna play them every single season, and then you get to rotate home and homes with the uh, everybody else in the conference, so that you play everybody at least twice in a four year span. And the result of this is we have a schedule coming up in 2026 where we've got Georgia. Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, I think Miami's on there, Kentucky's on there. Like, it's the schedule that we've always dreamed of. And, of course, the fucking sport's going to get blown up right right before we get there. Like, I, I don't even know if any of these games are going to be played. It's why when you look at future schedules and you see these, these teams scheduling home-and-homes for, like, 2038 and 2041, what are we doing here? It's just a – it just seems ridiculous. It is ridiculous. There's, there's no way around another, it. Another point on this, and, like – we know most of the realignment stuff um, comes with, like you said, whether it's TV market, whether it's money, you know, uh, you know, whether it's viewership, all all this stuff besides off field, it seems like. But it would it would behoove Scott Satterfield to to get out on the right foot here and and kind of get the football program this year back in the right footing because. When you remember when we made the the move to the ACC, I mean, we were humming in football at the time, and yeah, I, I think that absolutely helped out. I'm not saying, hey, you know, if we go nine and three, that that's going to get us like a you know a, a spot in a conference that may have not otherwise been there, 
but it, it definitely looks better than going five and seven or six and six. I'll tell you that much. So I, I would, I would, uh, I would love to get the football program back on the right track while all this is going down, um, and kind of get us back in the national spotlight for the right reasons. Well, that's a perfect transition now to, to move to the football discussion because I've been wrong a lot over the years about Louisville stuff, whether it's on this podcast, on the website, on radio. I'm not sure I've ever been more wrong than saying after the bowl game lost to Air Force that the, the offseason was unwinnable for Scott Satterfield. This was going to be like the, like there was nothing he could do to excite the fan base, that it was going to be eight months of just people being pissed off, uh, that the, the stands were going to be even more depressing than they were back in 2021 because the season was so bad and nobody was excited about him. Like, like what are you selling the fan base? I didn't realize that landing like the best players in the country was a was an option to, to rectify that, and yet here we are. I mean, since the last time we did a podcast, Louisville has landed I think four more four star prospects, uh, including the number one running back in the country in Ruben Owens. And you're like, oh, is he a male kid? Is he a, you know, from the area? No, he's from fucking Texas, where we haven't gotten a commit since 2010. Um, I mean, Scott Satterfield. And Pete Thomas and Pete Nocton and these guys, they're just going to some of the best players in the country and saying, we're somehow cool and come visit us. We're going to put you in Lamborghinis. We're going to, uh, you know, show you what Louisville has to offer. And these kids are eating it all up. And Pierce Clarkson has become the, the, the ringleader for all this. I think even if he never takes a snap in a Louisville uniform, assuming this recruiting class stays together, his impact on U of L football is going to be felt for a long, long time. It's just batshit crazy to me to think about – I mean, think about the way we were talking about Scott Satterfield this time seven months ago. Like, this fucking dork's not the guy. Like, there's no way he's going to be – like, there's nothing exciting about him. He's never been out of Boone, North Carolina. Like, what are we doing here? That same guy now is going to, like, California and convincing, like, the best players in America that he's the coach that can lead them to the most possible success in college. I've never seen something like this before. It's the most bizarre, happier evolution that I can remember in U of L athletics. Louisville has become like the cool school in recruiting. It's every now and then I just have to stop and think like that same Scott Satterfield that we were talking about has now gone to the guy that everybody's posting photoshops of like on lakes, like you know West Coast Sat. <laughs> how, how the hell did how did we get here? I mean, it, it truly is unbelievable, and I mean, I, landing Pierce Clarkson might have been like one of the bigger turn of events in, in Louisville football history. We'll see how this sure. plays out. But I mean, what this kid has done as far as helping out with the recruiting and getting in with, you know, some of these kids like cannot be understated, but yeah, I mean, all I can do is sit back and like, I, I mean, laugh. This is just unbelievable. The number one running back in the nation, like from Texas, like, I mean, I, I would have given that, like, if you told me that after the Air Force game, I would have, like, <laughs> been like, I will give you my house if that happened. Um, but, like, and, like, it's it, it's wild. I watch highlights of this Ruben Owens kid, or Ruben Owens kid, and I'm like, like, I, I'm, I'm not trained enough with a football eye to, like, distinguish, like, in high school, like, who's better than who. I mean, there's some kids that really stand out that, like, dominate their high school tape. But, like, just, like, the highlights, like, from these, like, seven-on-seven camps and, like, you see this kid, like, catching the ball out of the backfield. I'm like, yeah. this could be, like, a top-five receiver, too. Like, it, like everything, like, I've seen, I'm like, this kid looks like an absolute animal. So, um, yeah, it sounds like we may have, hopefully, another big offensive lineman commit coming up uh, this weekend, knock on wood. But, man, I mean, I, I I can do nothing but applaud the staff for the work that they've put in and, and how much they've taken advantage of, you know, whether it's at this NIL situation um, or, or just in general how they've overhauled, overhauled how they've done all the recruiting. Um, they definitely are hitting all the right notes with these kids, um, and, and it's fun to see. So uh, it's, it's nice to see us thriving in this department, and I know – the, the team down the road got a, a nice commit yesterday, but they seem to be going in the opposite direction, scrambling a little bit. And you're getting some panicky texts from some of the coaches during weddings. But, uh, yeah, oh my God, that, that, that was, uh, that was something that entertained me for the entire weekend. But anyways, it's, uh, it's kind of nice to see things going, uh, <laughs> trending in different directions right now. 
as insane as the the Ruben Owens commitment was and still is, I think the one that's even more crazy to me is DeAndre Moore, who's the depending on what Seattle service you look at, the number three or the number four wide receiver in the country. This is a guy who was committed to uh, Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there. Decommits after Riley leaves. Lincoln Riley goes to USC. DeAndre Moore is from the LA area, so you've got your old coach that you committed to play for going to the school that's in your backyard. And he still says thanks, but no thanks to fucking Southern Cal to come play for Louisville. It just it, it is absolutely mind blowing. And my, I think my favorite thing that's happened over the last couple of months on the recruiting side, the Vince Merrill tweets from over the weekend. We have to talk about that in a second because that was incredible. But even better than that was the weekend that we had, the big recruiting weekend, the June seventeenth weekend, which is the one that they've been pointing towards for a while now. You know, you wanted your your top prospects to come in here. You wanted to really blow the thing up. And the videos got put out there. I think the state of Louisville guys, you know, they took the stuff from social media. They put it on Twitter. And they noticed the, the first big thing they did, I think it was the Friday night, was they rented out uh, the hangar at Bowman Field. They, you know, had the event catered. They had all these tables set up. They had these these fancy cars. And they had these, like, jets that, that the players could come and take pictures in. And the reaction from, like, rival fans, not even rival fans, but just fans of other programs in general, it was so over the top. And my favorite thing about it was they're like, they're giving these kids jets. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> like, 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 the implication was that, like, we're giving the every freshman gets their own personal jet to just fly around Louisville. And the the image in my mind of like, you know, 25, 19 year olds just flying around the Mercer Building downtown in their own <laughs> private jets. It's like, you know, like like in, in two years. Like, Ruben Owens pissed off about not getting a carry on that play. It looks like he's walking over. To, oh, he's getting in his jet. He's flying out of the stadium. Like, like, everybody's like, bumping. we got to get these kids signed up for their pilot license, guys. Just line <laughs> up right here. I mean, just, you know, like, Ruben BBN fan 24-7 on Twitter is like, they're giving them jets, honey. Like, they, that's what Louisville's doing. They're promising the kids jets. Like, that's not – they're taking cool pictures for their social media channels in front of nice cars and jets. It's a – it's like – and – Florida, like that exact same weekend, had pictures, had had cars for players to pose with. It's not like we're the only ones doing right. it, but we're the only ones who like are unusual that that are no. doing it. Like like we're the only ones who aren't typically at this table that are starting to eat a little bit. And fans of other programs, especially Clemson fans, are getting pissed off about it. And I love how mad it's making Clemson fans because they're trying to do the whole like holier than thou. Like we only promise kids you know you know you guys are giving them catered dinners we're giving them communion hosts and, and church wine like that's all we do here when in reality they've been using churches to to pay kids for years it, it's a known fact people have been talking about this for a long time it's been rumored for a long time and don't act like you just your ascent to national prominence wasn't at all aided by some shady stuff and also if you want to talk about on-field stuff that we've seen you got players choking lamar jackson you got players we they had a, a kid just straight up punch one of our kids on a kickoff return a few years ago. And you can't keep your hands out of other players' butts. We've been seeing this for years. So don't act like you're some holier-than-thou program. Like, get out of my fucking face. I I can't stand Clemson. I can't stand the fake nice thing. It's so annoying. Yeah. No, I I agree. And, like, it's funny. Like, I talked to my brother-in-law, who's, like, a big Michigan fan. And, like, I don't know. They Michigan fans, like, kind of just – like, they wouldn't even give Louisville, like, the time of day to even talk about in football. So I'll be like, hey, man, like, uh, just giving you a heads up. We're top 10 recruiting right now. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, how much are you paying these kids? I'm like, well, obviously, like, you know, NIL yeah. <laughs> here. Like, it's part of the rules now. He's like, oh, well, like, we don't pay kids until they get on campus. I'm like, okay, isn't this like Bullshit. the class like Michigan's ever had? Um, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, okay, well. Um, and there was a Michigan fan, to your, to your point, there was a Michigan fan who famously he went viral after I don't even know, like a Florida recruit was in a Lamborghini. He's like, the day a Michigan, a Michigan recruits in a Lamborghini is the day I stop giving a dime to the university. Well, they just had a kid who's committed there in a Lamborghini the, the other day when he was on campus, and the guy was like, "Well, I'm giving up my account. I guess that's it. I'm, I'm donating all my." Like everybody's doing this now, so right. shut the fuck up. I, I agree, and it's it's nice to make the big programs squirm in their chairs a little bit. Like that's that's when I know we're doing something right here. So. Um, you know, like I said, we, we, I can do nothing but praise everything the coaching staff has done this off season. Um, and now it's, it's, you know, it's time to kind of get everyone ready for the on field stuff. Um, 
And just like hearing kind of the reports circling, I'm, I, I don't know about you. I'm like super excited about this, uh, transfer, this Tyler Hudson kid. It sounds like this kid's going to be a monster from, from, you know, what I've heard, but, um, I, I, I'm, I'm getting anxious to, uh, you know, getting into spring ball and kind of hearing the leaks that come out. That's always my favorite part of the year. I'll never forget the Lamar Jackson leaks that came out where you're like, uh, apparently we have this kid at quarterback that's like unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, what about, what about, who was my boy that I loved that he was battling out? Will Gardner. I'm like, well, obviously it's Will Gardner's job, but we'll see about that. So, um, Anyway, yeah. the, the whole summer we debated should it be Will Gardner, Reggie Bonifant, or Kyle Bolin. It's like Lamar might play receiver or something, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, like yeah. people are telling, like, like I'm, I'm getting texts. People are like, ah, so th- he's pretty good. I'm just letting you know he's probably going to play against Auburn. Right, but that's that's always like my favorite time of the year when you start to to get those reports trickling out. But um, yeah, kudos to the staff. Uh, you know, hopefully we we can land a couple more here before the summer ends, but. Um, it's, it's nice to eat at the same table as the big boys and kind of take food off some of their plate as well. Yeah. I think the the next one you're going to see is you mentioned Madden Sanker, who's going to announce his commitment on Saturday. I think at seven o'clock is the, the word July 11th is when the commitment's going to go. So I guess that's actually what, um, is that Monday? Um, whatever, whatever, whenever July 11th is, I can't think, uh, he's going to announce his commitment. Louisville seems to be in a, a good place for him. I will give you a heads up though. Just brace yourselves because you mentioned Kentucky fans. They're, they're not recruiting as well as they have been. They're seeing what Louisville's doing. It's kind of the reverse Patino Calipari thing where you're okay with it. You would be okay with it if, if your rival wasn't doing so much more. And the Vince Merrow tweets from over the weekend, unbelievable. Like they lost a kid to Tennessee. I don't even know who the kid was, but it was seen as like a big toss up. And Vince Merrow, the fact that he had to end every tweet with like, Going back to the best day of my life, my daughter's wedding. And like, like, I mean, the sequence of tweets, he's like, like the first one comes out at three o'clock where he's like, best day of my life, walking my little girl down the aisle, like couldn't be happier. And you're thinking, okay, at that point, you put the phone away, you, you enjoy the ceremony, you, you shed some tears, you have the first dance with your daughter, you talk about your daughter with friends, you share stories with her and everybody else in attendance, maybe have some drinks, do a little bit of dancing, and then the night's over. No, an hour and 20 minutes later, the kid commits to Tennessee, and Vince Merrill's like, we'll see them dudes on the field next year. Now, back to the biggest day of my life. And then it just keeps going on, like 9 o'clock. He's like, I don't care what other programs are doing. We're doing all this stuff. He, like, calls out Mitch Barnhart for NIO, and every single one of his tweets just ends with, like, now got to get back to my daughter's wedding. And yeah. the best the best tweet of all time was somebody corrected, because it's in classic Vince Merrill style. Every other word is misspelled. The grammar's terrible. And somebody, like, like, like corrects his grammar in all the different instances. And this UK fan is like, he's trying to tweet this message from his daughter's wedding. Maybe give him a little bit of slack when it comes to his grammar. I'm like, no, that's not, I'm like, that's the, that's the opposite, having the opposite effect. It's the greatest tweet I've ever seen in my entire life. But UK clearly is not on top of the NIL game. Merrill had to issue sort of a retraction the next day and say he wasn't calling out Mitch Barnhart. It's not about Mitch. It's about, you know, we need help. We need help is what he kept saying. And the fact of the matter is they're not getting the same type of NIL benefits that Louisville is. And when they're sitting here and saying, I love when UK fans are like, well, you're only getting this because of the new NIL rules. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. we, we, we all know what's going on here. We like Adidas is helping you guys out. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's the, that's how this works now. This is all above board. This is all legal. This is all by the book. Um, it's not our fault that we're doing a better job of it than you are. But having said all that, there's a kid committing, I think, on Saturday, Kobe Keenum, who's an offensive lineman, who we did go after very hard. Like, he was in town for the June 17th uh, weekend, the big recruiting weekend. He's apparently going to commit to UK. And I'm just telling everybody listening to this, brace yourselves. Because UK is going to play this up like it's the, like it's LeBron committing to play basketball there. Like, like it's going to be the biggest deal in the world because they know that the fan base is, is upset about what's happening with Louisville. They know the fan base is upset that recruiting hasn't gone as well as it has been in recent years. And they're going to act like this kid who's, who's good. He's a, a, a you know, th- high three-star, low four-star prospect. I think he's like top 80 offensive lineman in the class. He's not as good as the, the three offensive linemen that we're going to have, but he's good. 
And they're going to act like it's the biggest deal in the world because they're beating us out for his services. And Vince Merrill wants to distract everybody from the fact that the, the landscape is shifting and UK hasn't shifted with it. So that, that is your, your forewarning. It's going to be annoying. Just try to annoy, ignore it as best you can because we're going to get an even better player who plays the same position two days later. You know what? If, if him committing means in return, I got to see Vince Merrill just tweet through it on Saturday at his daughter's wedding. I'll take that trade all day. They can have the linemen. We got our entertainment for the day. It was phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I say all this, you know, we can't really talk shit. They've absolutely busted our ass for two oh, years. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it, all I'm saying is it's 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 fun that we're, we're, at least in the recruiting game, kind of killing it right now. Um, so that's half of it. And now the other half is, you know, we have to start developing these guys and, uh, you know, seeing this product transfer around the field. So, uh, it would it would be so nice to get off. I mean, like I know these kids are coming next year, um, and it usually takes you know kids in college football a couple years under their belt to to really make an impact on the field. So it would just be incredible this year to kind of get the momentum swinging back into our football program and um, you know kind of jumpstart that. And then when these kids you know are developed and ready to hit the field, that you know, we already have somewhat of a winning culture in place versus them just coming over and trying to take over like a five and seven or a six and six program. It's like, Scott, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> I know. Just let, let me just let me just say this to you right now, buddy. I'm begging you. Empty the playbook. I, I don't give a shit I, what happens. I cannot stress this enough. You got to beat Syracuse, buddy. Like, if we lose week one to this program that we have absolutely just reamed for the past 10 years, after all this goodwill that's happened for the prior like seven months, you don't want to know what's going to happen. We don't, none of us want to walk that road. So, Scott, just please, I'm begging you, just take care of business against Syracuse. We'll see what happens against UCF. I'm not even putting that much pressure on that, on you for that one. You got to beat Syracuse. You cannot lose that game. And if you look good in the process, that makes it even better. Um, so we can turn the back. By the way, Vince Merrill, I, I just kind of, it just struck me. He's sort of like recruiting godfather where he just kept, he keeps like, like talking about recruiting, but he's like, on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Like, it, like every tweet just had to have that, like reminding everybody, it is my daughter's wedding, but we can't lose recruits to Tennessee. We need some NIL fucking help. Uh, it's just, that was a terrible Brando impression, but it's, it's a Merrill Brando hybrid. It's all I can I, think about now. Oh it. God, it's the best story. It's one of my favorite stories of summer. It was just incredible theater. I can't get enough of it. Uh, are you ready to, to to flip the playbook to turn the page to basketball here? Yeah, let's go ahead. In other news, um, speaking of programs who maybe are not diving as deeply into the NIL waters, the Louisville men's basketball program. Interesting times here. It's created this 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 sort of I don't know awkward divide between the fan base that, that we thought was gone when we are also like even people who were not overly excited about Kenny Payne. I mean, I said on this podcast, he was, was far from my first choice back when we were doing the, the, the coaching search madness, the first couple of press conferences, the, the coaching staff hires, I think everybody was on board. Everybody was excited about what was happening. The message about, you know, unity and getting everybody on the same page and bringing back some of the culture from the 80s, all that stuff was was very well received. It was awesome. But now we're looking at this roster for the upcoming season, and we've got nine players on scholarship. We've added Hersey Miller, Master P son as a walk-on, which is an awesome story. I, I enjoy seeing Master P walking around in Louisville basketball stuff. Um, quick side note, did you know, like, was I totally in the dark? Like Eric Crawford's story that he wrote a few weeks ago, Master P and his family moved to Louisville after Hurricane Katrina, and he's been like living here ever since. I had no, I, I, I knew there was some I, I, like, tie between knew Louisville. He hung I didn't around know. Louisville. I didn't exactly. Know he lived here. Exactly. Like I knew he was doing like he did the the Winton Heastan Law commercials, and he was like around for, for various events. But I had no idea he was like a permanent resident. There was no, you know. Saw Master P at Pat's Steakhouse talk that's been happening for the last decade. Like, do you see Master P walking around Cherokee Park today, like doing the loop? Like, like, I, like that didn't happen. 
So I didn't realize he was like a permanent Louisvillian since Hurricane Katrina, but he talked in the Eric Crawford story about how Louisville opened its arms and welcomed his family in, and now they're wanting to give back. So it was cool to add him. But the fact of the matter is, we all agreed. We all agreed two months ago that Louisville needed to add some impact transfers. We need to add some impact players that were eligible for next season. And we haven't added anybody since that conversation happened. And now some of the same people who were saying, you know, don't worry about this. KP's got it. He's got players in mind. We're going to get players. Don't worry about it. Some of those same people are like, the roster's fine. Don't worry about it. The team's yeah. good. I, I, I hope that's the case because, and we can get to the Monty Bates stuff here in a second, but it just, it doesn't seem like a roster bringing back six guys from a team that was one of the worst in recent history of Louisville basketball, adding who I think is going to be a fantastic freshman in Kamari Lands, a, a guy in Devin Reeves going to help you out shooting but can't really do much of else at least right away, and then a potentially big-time transfer in Brandon Huntley-Hatfield who didn't do much at Tennessee last year but still has, I think, the pedigree to be a really good big man. That on its surface doesn't seem like it's enough to be top 25 good, maybe not even tournament good in year one. But at this point, I feel like we're all kind of in this just like trust KP, you know, nest where it's just like you have to assume this guy knows what he's doing and hopefully we can see the results of it. How concerned are you about this upcoming season or are you not concerned at all? Well, one guy we forgot to add in there was Mike James, who we get back. Um, right. You know, which is uh, hopefully going to be a nice addition. I, I have high hopes for him, but Am I concerned? Um, like, I should be concerned, but I guess, like, I have no choice but to put my faith in KP and the staff right now that they know it's what we are. Um, so I, I have no choice but to give them the benefit of the doubt. We haven't seen an on-court product yet, so I'm I ca- I cannot judge what they're doing, but. I will say this, like you said, it, it was funny to see half of our fan base who was like, wait till we see what KP's going to pull in year one. Like, even with the transfer portal, you know, he's going to turn around ASAP. We're going to have a top five team, like blah, blah, blah. And, like, those same people are like, man, you guys just need to be patient. Just be patient. Let's wait and see what happens. I'm like, that's exactly the opposite of what you guys <laughs> um earlier. Well, so – but I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird right now. I know, like, the big talk is, yeah, we need an extra guard. Yeah, the season doesn't start till November, and a lot of stuff can shake out. So, you know, I don't know what if they have a plan up their sleeve, um, or if they feel like this is just kind of what they're gonna roll with. I I don't know the answer to that, but um, you know, at, at this point, uh, all we can kind of really do, like you said, is kind of hope that. KP knows what he's doing, um, and, you know, obviously it seems like he's putting a lot of eggs in the class of 23 basket. Um, you know, obviously we got Caleb Glenn in the fold and knock on wood, you know, it seems like the DJ Wagner thing may be a little more uncertain than we thought a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, that, would, that would be a <laughs> – that one would be tough, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and predict anything just because I don't think any of us know yet. So um, we thought we thought we were getting Tyrese Hunter and Imani Bates and neither of that happened. So I'm I'm done with the predicting game. Um, but I don't know. I it, it, Like you said, it is a little worrisome of who we have coming back and how the t- team performed last year. And I don't know. I mean, we added some nice pieces, but I don't know how – big of impact guys immediately these guys are going to be so uh remains to be seen yeah and if you're sitting there saying we don't need any guys like trust kp kenny Payne himself two months ago was saying we need some guys like, right. like he was he did an interview i can't remember exactly who it was with it was when he was doing one of his media rounds where he was talking to a lot of people and he was saying like yeah like obviously we we need more guards we, you know he's like we're looking at some other guys that aren't guards too and I think the exact quote was, I feel good about the roster that we have right now, but I think we can be really good if we get some of the guys that we're, we're currently going after. And so it's not like, it's not like Kenny Payne didn't recognize that there were limitations on the roster two months ago and didn't try to rectify them. So the people who are sitting there saying, I think we should have more than one guard, like, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I, I mean, I, I think Kenny Payne was saying it himself. And it's also starting to get like, 
I can tell that like a lot of people, the national riders are starting to do their preview work for the upcoming season. Cause I'm getting, I've gotten like three texts in the last week or so that have <laughs> been like, so what's going on with Louisville's roster? Like I'm just looking at this. You guys have one guard. I'm like, yeah, that's, it, it's kind of a deal. And I know that Kamari lands, like I, I'm not getting uh, full transparency here. Like I don't have sources inside the program anymore. Like, like I have at some points in time in the last few years. Um, I, Everybody's kind of on the outside looking in. KP is is very secretive. I think that's gotten out. The one thing that I have heard from multiple people that they're willing to to share is Kamari Lands has looked really good so far. Like he's apparently the real deal. He's been a, a big time standout during this first five weeks where they've been able to practice, have the one full session, and then the the individual sessions throughout the week. So that's comforting. I mean, I think he could be a big time player, and he, if he can play the two guard effectively, that takes some of the pressure off LLs. But we're not just saying like we need more guards so L has somebody in the backcourt with him like L can't play 40 minutes a game Kamari Lance can't play 40 minutes a game you're going to have to have some depth there especially if you're going to do what Kenny Payne says you're going to do which is play more up tempo be a a hard in your face man-to-man style defense that takes a lot of effort and I know they're doing a lot of conditioning work right now but still I mean like is LL is going to die playing three games in three days in my in Maui, like when they're playing high quality competition in that tiny gym, which just got air conditioning a few years ago. That's sort of a, a, a nervous outlook. We, but we I'm know, with you overall. Do we know if Mike James can handle the rock? No, I mean I hope so. Like I, I assume he can handle it a little bit. But what I was the only thing I know about Mike James' game is that last year he was playing just the three during the summer, and there was talk that he was, like, beating Sam Williamson out for a starting job. Now, Dre Davis ended up getting that starting job, but I think before James got hurt, Dre was working more at the four and was kind of like a backup three, but that was what I had heard. So he was he's clearly more of a three than he is a two, but I guess in if you if you fit the, the offense to your roster, yeah. anybody can play the two a little bit. We'll see. I mean, he... He's a big mystery. No, none of us have even seen him in a red-white scrimmage or anything. So um, I'm just as anxious as everybody else to see exactly what he can do and what these other guys can do. But to your point, like I'm with you as far as like big picture. I'm not panicking on Kenny Payne just yet. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt, or you have to give him the benefit of the doubt, or this isn't going to work. Even if this season doesn't, I- I've said all along, like I'm not going to judge him based on this first season because I don't think the roster is going to look like what it hopefully will moving forward because. The man had no time with the 2022 class. He, I, I think there are logical explanations for why some of these transfers didn't want to come here, namely the fact that we can't guarantee that we're even going to be eligible for the NCAA tournament next March. So, like, was it exciting to hear Tyrese Hunter was considering you and Malachi Smith was reportedly, like, you were in the lead for his services and all this stuff? Yeah, because you thought maybe the season could be better and we could have more of an accurate gauge of how Kenny Payne's going to be as a head coach. Now I'm right back to where I was before, which is let's just try to get the most out of the season. Let's see what happens. And I'm going to start judging things afterwards. Like I, I, the only time I'm going to panic is if this season goes really poorly and we're not doing what we were supposed to be doing with the 2023 class. Like if the, if the DJ Wagner rumors that Kentucky's in a much better spot than anybody thought they were are true. And he winds up going there and we don't wind up with like, a top five, top 10 class in 2023, then I start to get a little bit nervous about this whole deal and, and whether or not it was, it was a miscalculation. But that's all just speculation at this point. It's way too early. Um, I'm still excited to see Louisville basketball back. I, I think they, there are some good pieces here. Do I think they needed to add some guys that they didn't get? Of course. But I, I'm still choosing to give. I'm, I'm choosing patience here, which is a hard thing to do when we've been so down for, for so many years. No, you're exactly right. And like, when I say, you know, when I when I was talking about, like, half the fan base, you know, the comment I made earlier about, um, you know, them not really having the same energy uh, as they did prior to hiring Kenny Payne, uh, I, I was just looking at, like, the standpoint of, like, what if, what if our coach was, uh, like, Matt Painter or Ed Cooley or Mick Cronin, and this is oh, all God. We- and like, could you imagine like the 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 heat like already that our coach staff would be getting? And, and I mean, I love KP. I'm I'm grateful that he came back, and I'm I'm looking forward to the season and what he does with these guys. Um, but it is funny to see that the, n- not really the same energy as we were giving off before hiring K- Kenny Payne as you know what we're going through right now. But 
you know. What, what if it was the roster in year five of Chris Mack? What, what if we were talking? I mean, th- there would be like throw Chris Mack off the Floyd Street Bridge Facebook groups. Like, like it would be, you know, you're exactly right. Like we're, we're choosing to do this because we got our guy and because he can, he comes with the promise of getting some of the most elite recruits in the, in, in the country, right? Like that's why we're choosing to like just accept this right now. But the fact of the matter is we should have, like more should have been done this offseason. I, I feel confident yeah. in saying, it. I think you could be optimistic about the future with Kenny Payne. You can be happy that he's your head coach and still say that we should have done more. If in fact we were like passing on guys early in the process because we thought we were going to get better players. If we were waiting on Imani debates for a period of time and, and lost out on some guys because of that, like those are miscalculations. Those are missteps and the roster is not as good as it, it should be right now. Like I think I, I feel confident saying that. Yeah, and if if I'm wrong about that when the season starts, like I'll gladly eat crow and you can shove it back in my face. But of course, I'm of course. I'm kind of with you right now. I, I I just from what we're bringing back and kind of what we viewed from the team last year versus what we've added, um, I I I think we're gonna have you know a tough uphill climb this year. But it remains to be seen. Let's talk real briefly uh, about the Imani Bates stuff. Because the last time we did a podcast, it actually was – we were living in this world where everybody thought Imani Bates was going to Louisville. Um, I don't really know exactly what the hell happened. I know at some point in time I – mean, I only know this because it's been reported by people way more in the know than I am – that Louisville pulled out of the Imani Bates sweepstakes. Michigan did the same thing. Um, he tried to go back to Memphis. Memphis didn't want him. He winds up committing to Eastern Michigan. Uh, quick trivia. Do you know who Eastern Michigan's head coach is? I don't. God, I don't. Stan Heath. <laughs> Stan fucking Heath from the South, South Florida. Florida from the, day. God. the man who the man who ruined Senior Day in 2012. Ru- the, the man who stole Kyle Couric's Senior Day away. And just I, let I, him give his speech. first game that comes back into my head. Yeah, that was a, that was a low point followed by absolute euphoric run but that was a low point you know why it's the first game that comes in your mind because it's the last time stan heath did anything of consequence besides landy money Bates. they won 10 games last year they're in like the 300s on ken palm um i feel bad for imani Bates because I, I think that it's like this isn't going to be good for him first of all like what's the what are the odds of him actually finishing the season for Eastern Michigan? They have to be like twelve to one. Like, there's no way. I don't. I don't see him playing the whole. I see him playing like eight games, putting up some numbers, getting some highlights, and then leaving the team in, in like December to go focus on the NBA draft. Do you think like the dad ever just like steps back and is like, man, maybe I fucked up here? Uh, where no. is no. Like, I, I don't know. I just I I I just can't really understand the thought process. I mean, I get wanting to be a little bit involved with your son, but, um, geez, I, I, like you said, I feel bad for this kid. Um, it seems like he's just kind of riding a wave of, you know, the camp that he's with or the decisions his father's making. I, I don't want to say that for sure, but that's just kind of what it seems like. Cause I know you, I know you said that, Hey, this kid might not be as good as, you know, the hype and you, you weren't really bought in, but, to go from, you know, Memphis to, you know, Eastern Michigan, there there definitely is more factors involved than just talent. I mean, this is the kid who five years ago was on the cover of Sports Illustrated under the headline Magic Michael LeBron and the 15-year-old who's next in line. Like, that was Imani Bates. He, you know, he's got the born for this headline. He was supposed to be the next big thing. He was the first ever sophomore to win Gatorade National Player of the Year. He got to play AAU or EYBL basketball when he was in eighth grade. And the fact of the matter is he was a kid who blossomed early, had a ridiculous skill set for a 6, 7, 13-year-old, and then never got any better. And while everybody else grew and improved around him, he has been stagnant because his dad created a fake school for him to go to that didn't play quality competition, didn't have quality competition around him, didn't have quality players around him. Uh, COVID hit, didn't help him at all. And now he's in this place where his dad just wants to be completely hands-on. I mean, Gary Parrish of CBS, who's embedded down there in Memphis, will tell you, like, his dad was, like, calling Penny Hardaway after every practice, like, trying to give him pointers, like, trying to be hands-on, fighting with fellow fans in the stands of games, like, all this bullshit. And the fact of the matter is, his kid's not that good anymore. And I feel bad for the kid, because if you really wanted to, this is not, it's going to come off like a fanboy homer take, 
But if you were serious about trying to realize the potential that people saw in you four years ago, that, that you could be the next big thing, you go to Louisville. Like, you get pushed a little bit. You play against quality players in practice every day. You have a head coach who's handled players that have been in similar positions to you coming out of high school, that have had similar hype, who have has given them tough love and seen the benefits of that. You play against the best programs in America. You play in the ACC. You you maybe sacrifice yourself for the betterment of the team. You don't go to Eastern Michigan where it's going to be the Imani Bates show and you're allowed to take 30 shots a game. And you're playing against Akron and Toledo and uh, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, and programs that aren't North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, like whoever. I, I feel bad for him. I think he's he's got a shitty dad. He's got yeah. people around him who are bad handlers. And I think that he's he's been led down a path where he's going to wind up always being viewed as this just colossal bust and kind of the punchline for jokes. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope he does wind up becoming the Imani Bates that people thought he was going to be uh, three, four, five years ago. But it certainly doesn't seem like this is headed in a anything resembling a positive direction for him. Right. And and that's, geez, and, that, and that's like one thing, like, I, I have to be quick not to judge the coaching staff because, like, I think we were all in like, all right, Amani, you know, at least I was. I know you were maybe a little more hesitant, but I was like, I want this kid. I think he'd be good, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, to see him land up at a, at a school like Eastern Michigan, then you're like, okay, maybe the coaching staff actually knew what they were doing here. Like, maybe they stayed away for the right reasons. Um, you know, there there was probably a, a, a reason that there's no big-time school to take them. So, you know, that's that's more on me. Like, I have to be quick not to judge the coaching staff and, and have trust in what they're doing. When you see a kid like this end up at a Eastern Michigan, uh, the red flags just must have been – way too much. So, um, like you said, I hope it works out for him, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for the kid. All right. Uh, we've talked over an hour, uh, sports stuff here. Let's say we need to wrap this up. Do we have a Dan in the dumps? You've had two months to think of a Dan in the dumps to prepare one. What are we going with today? All right. Yeah. I mean, this is a little inappropriate, but I mean, like, <laughs> I, I like I, it happened this weekend um, on 4th of July. Like, so like 4th of July up here in Columbus, I mean, it's like a pretty big deal. Um, like we go to a parade in Upper Arlington. It's like my wife's favorite day of the year. And we kind of let loose a little bit. Well, now we have like three kids. So like the, the, the parties we used to go to on 4th of July, like now there's kids involved and, you know, with kids, there's like bouncy houses and stuff like that. Um, but like the party we went to this weekend, like, I mean, like the parents were playing beer pong and uh, like, I mean, kids aren't just going to sit on the bouncy house all day and play. They kind of want to wander over and, and, you know, talk to their parents. And of course my, my seven-year-old son, like, sees us playing we 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 had to call it cups because we you know we're not trying to set a bad example here <laughs> uh, so we're like oh yeah we're just playing cups and blah blah, blah. and he's like i want to play i want to play and like you know I, you don't want to be like the dad that's like come on like you know this is inappropriate but i'm like fine like you know we'll let you shoot and blah 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 like Next thing you know, like, he, like, drains, like, two, like, beer pong shots in a row, like, and I'm, like, what the heck? Like, I, like, find myself, like, in a duel with my son (laughs) over beer pong. I'm, like, bouncing it on him. Like, that's two. Um, (laughs) Like, he he literally was, like, Dad, you didn't drink all this stuff in your cup. I'm, like, all right, this is enough. We got to cut this off right now. Like, I'm a father, okay? Like, I can't be this example. I, I felt, I was, like, sitting in my backyard, like, pondering like god what an awful fathering job i did today your eight year old is basically like you're gonna finish that pussy like, yeah like, seriously <laughs> I'm like i was like yeah i'm gonna finish it it's like dripping down my chin i'm like hold on um, <laughs> but, oh. yeah anyways i don't know I, I i you know i know he was just trying to have fun but uh like i told my wife i'm like god he's seven like we shouldn't be doing this like <laughs> like like this is awful so anyways yeah that's kind of that's how i spent my fourth of july so um oh, and it, yes obviously that goes without saying we we did not give him any alcoholic beverages thank god for that uh yeah. I, I also like how you described as 
4th of July that's something that's pretty big up here in Columbus, as if nowhere else in the country celebrates the 4th of July. Like, <laughs> pretty big up here. It's kind of like uh, Christmas. Um, it's, a little, it's a little holiday that we like to celebrate up here. It means yeah. a lot to the people of Columbus. Oh, they do God. fireworks follow- and stuff, but <laughs> follow up Dan the Dump slash Mike in the Mud could have been you. You guys came in town a few weeks ago for the My Morning Jacket concert that got canceled. Uh, you know, three days before we were supposed oh, to go there. It's brutal. We still ended up having a good time. Um, but one of the cool things, and like, don't get me wrong, I, I felt bad for all the people that have like said you know that have been pissed off about the pod being gone for the last couple of months. But at the same time, like, it's been like complimentary like I, I felt good about how many people like are so upset that we haven't done the podcast in a long time i'm always blown away by how many people listen to you and i just do this talk bullshit for an hour uh, a couple of times a week or you know once every two months now but we had friends that were we hadn't seen in a long time that were popping up when we were out at garage bar and, and walking around nulu who just came up and they were like i've been listening to the podcast like all of it like when are you guys coming back like what, what's up with the podcast like it's just it's fun to hear that it's pretty cool especially from some you know, fairly unlikely sources from our, our friend group. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I, like I said, um, you know, yeah, we've, we've kind of been on a two month hiatus here. We've had some stuff going on, but now that sports is kicking back up here, um, I I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about coming up. Yeah. So subscribe to the podcast that, that will let you know when new episodes come out, you know, hopefully before August 7th now or September 7th or whenever. Now we're going to try to get back into more of a rhythm. Hopefully my health will, uh, will, you know, agree and, and yeah, keep... we, we need a healthy, healthy mic coming up here. Yeah. Uh, as long as that works out, we should get back to more regular potting moving forward. We're going to have stuff to talk about. I think with this conference realignment stuff, it's not going away. So there will be topics of discussion. Uh, basketball, I think regardless of what the roster looks like, it's exciting to have a new head coach and a fresh, a clean slate. Uh, we also are going to find out whatever the IRP decides in a couple of months, probably, maybe. So there will be things to talk about. And then football, you know, again, if I, if, if you take one thing away from this podcast, it's this. Scott, don't lose to Syracuse. Just, just, just let us keep having fun with this. Just let us keep dreaming. And please just beat Syracuse. So uh, we'll keep driving that point home. We'll talk to you guys sometime soon. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Leave us a review if you can. Uh, we'll get back to reading reviews next episode, I promise. Um, and until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.